Hi everybody, I'm Ashley Bain, the Business Development Manager here at the Greater Oshawa Chamber of Commerce. And I'm Emma Kasha, the Communications and Marketing Coordinator at the Greater Oshawa Chamber of Commerce. And together we are ChamberPod! Welcome everyone to another episode of ChamberPod. We are back again virtually, although at this point it's a given. Uh, Today we are with MPP Jennifer French. Welcome, good afternoon. Good afternoon, thank you for having me. Well, thank you for joining us virtually. Um, we are getting used to this lifestyle. I know that I am now starting to question my choices of where I put my computer to make sure that my background matches my personality or the business um, you know, interaction that we're having. I know that I've got a couple plants in the background. I commented, you've got a beautiful aloe plant behind you. Thank you. I have, I have created a little space for myself in my basement. And while that sounds dark and unhappy I am beside a a lovely window and today it is raining and there are signs of spring so I cannot complain. I was gonna say Emma is that the new way to tell people's personality is what their background is on Zoom? Well I know that there are a number of people doing home renovations because because we are at home you're looking around your space more so it's it's also what are people seeing that they haven't necessarily seen before too right so you just always want to have your your best face on for Zoom I guess and now that includes interior decoration anyways um, so we're joined today with MPP Jennifer French. Thank you for joining us. And you are, of course, part of the NDP party. Can you give us a little bit of a rundown of what a typical day lately looks like for you during COVID shutdowns? Um, that is an excellent question. And frankly, it, there isn't a, a typical. Um, you know, we have, like, like many folks, been forced to, you know, adjust and, and adapt um, when the legislature is in session. We used to go in every week and be in the legislative assembly, you know, in person. Um, and now we alternate weeks to try and keep, you know, the, the numbers down and, and sort of work in cohorts. Um, I go in personally every week, every Thursday. I have the opportunity to serve as speaker on Thursdays. So, um, so that is that's an interesting opportunity. Um, but it's it's a lot of it, working from home. I miss. I miss my community, the events and, and um, you know, whether it's ribbon cuttings or celebrations or things, obviously we've, we're all missing that. Um, but a lot, of, a lot of the stakeholder work, a lot of connecting with uh, folks across the community, be they individuals, organizations, businesses, uh, we, make, we make all of the time, um, you know, on Zoom as folks are doing and doing our best to stay connected, still problem solve, um, and flag issues uh, with the government. Um, it's the same level of advocacy. The stakes are obviously very different, very immediate, um, and we are utilizing different tools, like the online online tools, but uh, my office is still open. I say that with air quotes, but um, open and operational. Uh, people are always welcome to email, uh, call, uh, certainly to reach out to us. Well, I know that we are having a very similar issue because uh, similar to a politician, you are there for the people, we are there for the businesses. So our our business has been closed to the public for some time now. And one of the main sources of revenue for our business is events aside from membership. So it's uh, it's been a challenge for sure to try to pivot uh, for us as well. So we can certainly appreciate what that feels like from you know an event standpoint. Um, so 
What are some things you can perhaps shed some light on that businesses might not have already heard in regards to the shutdown? Because I know that a lot of businesses, in particular salons, tattoo parlors, um, the places that require a lot of close contact with individuals have been particularly hit hard with a lot of the shutdowns. Is there something that you can um, shed light to what they can do to help their business bottom line or maybe something they can look forward to uh, coming down the pipe? Great questions. I'll tell you that from the beginning, we have been consistently hearing from business, whether they're, you know, downtown Main Street business, whether it's, you know, mid-sized businesses that are unable to, you know, continue that growth or or meet demand or, or what have you. And I remember that early on, you know, we were writing letters to the, to the ministries um, about curbside pickup and what that would look like, you know, and, and to imagine that that was a year ago that we were looking for clarification on that. Um, interestingly, we're looking for clarification on that again now, but from a different standpoint in that with the curbside, we're now hearing from low-income neighbors that don't have a car, aren't able to, you know, shop online, don't have a credit card, aren't able to access goods from local businesses if they can't, you know, if they don't have a trunk or, or things like that. Um, it is constantly navigating um, this changing landscape, which has been exhausting and devastating for many businesses. I don't have to tell you that or your listeners. I wear a number of hats. I'm the official opposition critic for infrastructure, transportation, highways. So I see issues um, affecting the whole province in terms of transportation or you know, lack of infrastructure, uh, dollars flowing, changes or delays in, in massive projects that trickles down or, or you know branches out into communities with our general contractors our small businesses like you know there's everything is interconnected um, in terms of our economy so what some of the frustrations that are coming we're seeing on that that um, how we're on that that scale but how we're connected broadly right if, if we were expecting a, a major infrastructure project to be moving forward, the Infrastructure Ontario report just came out, a number of those have been delayed, right? There's uncertainty, and that is not um, not what businesses are looking forward to. Been hearing from businesses lately on the Ontario Small Business Support Grant uh, Program. And so we don't, at my office, hear the successes, you know, we're not hearing from businesses saying, hey, tell the government we're really pleased that we got this money, because they're pleased to get the money and they're able to put one foot in front of the other if they've been successful in securing those funds. But I've got a letter um, here in my hands, actually, that's going out um, right now <laughs> to Minister Fidelli asking the government to fix the program because we have so many small businesses that have been accepted or have been successful in their application but have not seen any money yet. And now some of those businesses that were told, yes, you qualify, yes, you know, we're sending the money, have not yet received it, can't get a call back, and have, are now being invited, you know, to to apply for the second round. So we've got so many businesses in limbo that have hope because they've been promised the 10,000, the 20,000, but that that support has not materialized. So for some specific businesses, whether they're estheticians, um, you know, small contractors, uh, restaurant owners, a lot of people in the lurch right now. So we're, we're doing our best as an office to um, follow through, to try and get answers. We are also challenged to get phone calls back and, and clarity. So there seem to be some uh, logistical problems um, the government side. So we're hoping that businesses, we're, we're really hoping to be, um, you know, to chase that and be part of what gets that moving to make, to make the money flow. 
um, you know, where I heard from a salon owner and she is just beside herself because she's fortunate to have a land, um, a landlord that has been accommodating as many have not, but to have an accommodating landlord, but the creditors are still saying, you, you said there'd be money. When is it? And she can't, she can't, you know, um, pay her debts when that money hasn't been deposited and she's been waiting since mid January. Right. So it's a lot of things like that, that we're hoping can get fixed so that it is a success story so that more of our businesses can hang on. Um, and hopefully again, you know, be able to thrive in our communities. Is there something else that businesses can do um, to help maybe rally with you, rally for the cause to try to get things moving? Um, I am always appreciative of, you know, the actual community voice, you know, like I'm, I'm happy to speak on behalf of folks. You know, I was, I was elected partly to do that, but I find it far more powerful when I'm able to share um, the voice of, a family of a small business owner of a real person with a real experience and it's a lot harder for the government to you know um ignore that i'll say um so certainly anytime that um, a business is willing to share their experience um that's how we learn and that's certainly how we can pinpoint an area that is not working um you know as, as i already mentioned the ontario small business support grant but for example you know, there's, there was a, a gentleman who has two restaurants and he's applied for both, uh, you know, both of these corporations. And the government said, you've been successful in your application, but you need to pick one. So by forcing this business owner to choose between two very separate, entirely separate businesses, that if he has a choice, then that would indicate they both are eligible and have met the criteria. But how on earth can you put a business owner in that position to choose one over the other? That is not what keeps our economy running. So I'm hoping that by flagging this and bringing it to the attention of the minister, that that is something that can be remedied, right? And that comes from, that's the power of the actual individual who knows what it is that they need. Um, we have been, as, as the official opposition, standing on a regular basis and, and hammering uh, this government to pass the Stay at Home If You Are Sick Act, which my colleague uh, Peggy Sattler, um, you know, has has brought forward, and that's to fund 14 paid sick days and guaranteed guaranteed paid time off um, to get a vaccine, um, in addition to regular permanent paid sick days, and that would be paid by the government. Um, you know, there's that constant tug of war with you know the government highlighting the federal program, which is not a substitute; it is its own program. The Federal government sick day plan, is that something that is specifically made for COVID positive individuals or, or how does that work exactly? So you're asking a, a really the right question. And this has been the frustration in the legislature that the premier and the government keep saying, you know, we're playing politics. Why aren't you directing your communities to the federal program? You know, there's money up there on the table you know, people can access it. It is a, a program that exists and people, we, we hope that they will take advantage of it if they qualify. And that again is, as, as your with your question about being COVID positive, that's a piece of it. The paid sick days provincially would allow people that if they're told to self-isolate as a precaution, if they're not feeling well, then they have access to that, that, you know, um, individuals who should stay home because stay home if you're sick and should stay home because they've been told by, you know, a, a doctor 
that they've come in contact with someone, that they, you know, should self-isolate. Um, if they cannot make the choice to stay home for financial reasons, because, you know, those days off would mean that they lose that many days pay. And if that makes a difference to feeding their family or paying their rent, we can appreciate that is a, an impossible decision. And few people, um, many people are going to make the decision to just go to work sick. And unfortunately, those are a number of our frontline essential workers that are stocking shelves, are you know driving cabs, are doing their best to keep um, to keep our, our communities moving. They do not qualify for the federal program. So I can tell, I can tell a frontline essential worker who you know isn't feeling well and worries that they're sick. I can say, oh, you can go to this website and you can read about the federal program. But you do not, cannot, will not qualify. Um, so it's, it's again, it speaks to a tool that we're not using that can help to keep, you know, uh, to keep people safe and able to make the decisions that are recommended by the by our healthcare workers. And it's exhausting to play this back and forth uh, in the legislature. It is. It's another conversation too around vaccination time off, and we're hearing case by case, different employers um, are allowing their employees to take however many hours paid to go and get their vaccines. But that is, again, is a financial challenge for small businesses, for employers, when this is something that the government, you know, is responsible for the wellness and health of, of Ontarians broadly. And this is something that would encourage that vaccine uptake that we are seeing there there's hesitancy we're seeing that people have barriers and we need to do our best those that are eligible um, for them to not have barriers you know we're hearing from people and it is heart-wrenching to hear from people saying i don't have a car i don't have a credit card i can only shop at my local community dollarama and now i'm not able to access you know the shoes for my kids school supplies things like that right and yeah. and it's it's um it's really tough right now i have one question stepping away from covid i know you are a big advocate of the removal of our tolls on the 412 and 418 yep. is there any movement that you can let us know about uh on that front <laughs> thank you for asking that was my bill 43 which is um you know in in limbo now it begrudgingly passed second reading in the legislature um and I say that because the government allowed it to move forward. They did not end it at that point. They did not defeat the bill. It was not a resounding support um, from the government. But the idea now is that it, if prioritized by the government, would be pulled to committee where we would fine tune it or figure out, you know, how the bill can be improved or, um, or made stronger, so to speak. Um, and then it would come back up the other side to be passed into law and to actually uh, do what I've set out to do, which is to have the tolls removed. Um, I have, I have no, I, I have had no indication that it would be a priority of this government to indeed bring it to the next phase. Um, I expect that any, uh, any announcement on that front would be pre-election, but that's the cynic in me and that is what we saw the last election. So it is, it is obviously a point of frustration. I mean, the reason that that bill came to be was because of the grassroots movement, was because we were hearing from just about every stakeholder that exists, you know, across the Durham region, 
um, the boards of trade, the chambers of commerce, individual commuters, students, families, you know, everyone sees it as a fundamental fairness issue. And it is affecting our downtown, you know, uh, traffic that people are not choosing those, um, you know, uh, free moving could be could be well utilized new roadways. Um, and they're stuck in traffic, they're, um, you know, not able to get where they need to go. I mean, obviously, during the pandemic, we're seeing changes in uh, to our traffic flow, but um, it remains a fairness issue, you know. So again, back to your earlier points, if any of your members, any of your listeners, you know, have thoughts on um, kind of what would what would be needed and helpful, I am all ears, and I, I am I am happy to you know be the soul of discretion. If they don't want me to stand up and use their name in the legislature, I don't have to. But I do appreciate learning from people who you know are doing their best to um, figure out how we move forward. Yeah, for sure. We'll send them all your way. <laughs> yeah, please do. <laughs> it's been it's been really remarkable with this small business grant because it's such a hopeful you know, it's such a hopeful opportunity that so many of the businesses are saying, when I got that confirmation that I was going to be receiving $10,000, I could breathe. That buys me time. That means I can, you know, buy inventory or I can meet payroll or I can, whatever it is, right? Like, yeah. They know what they need the money for, but then for them to wait, you know, now we're, we're around the exact same time. How many months later? They applied in January, February, March, here we are, April 12th. Um, you know, it's been almost three months since people applied and without the money, but don't worry, it's coming. But don't, don't worry, it's coming. Mm-hmm. Don't worry, it's coming. And that doesn't pay the rent. Yeah. So anyway, back to that. But I, I'm sending that letter to the, uh, to the minister and the premier, and, and I will be glad to share, um, you know, to share any movement on that front, and not just with the businesses we've heard from directly, but, um, you know, we're certainly partners with the, the, the chambers and the boards of trade locally to make sure that you know what we're saying and doing and, and um, trying to reflect what we're hearing in terms of needs from your members. Perfect. So I don't know if there's anything else that you think we missed or that you want to touch on before we wrap it up. No, um, I appreciate the, the challenges. Um, you know, there are so many folks out there right now who have been completely gutted and de- devastated um, that we have, you know, um, businesses that have been able to hold on, businesses that have not. Um, I I say this, you know, not as the MPP, but as a neighbor, like, I miss them. You know, I look forward to when we can safely get to the, the time when we're able to, you know, see each other again and get in the front doors of, of these businesses and, um, you know, and, and ensure that they're supported. So anything we can do to um, get them to that point, you know, the, the yo-yo, um, in and out of lockdown, I know has been just devastating. And there's no no way that folks can plan for that. We're, we're trying to do our best to ensure that, you know, it's not just that needs are reflected in the asset government, but we are really trying to push for that consistent plan, like a, a strategy that folks can, can count on uh, and plan for. Perfect. Well, thank you so much for joining us and updating our members about what you've been up to lately. But until next time, I'm Ashley Bain. I'm Emma Kasha. And I'm Jennifer French. And this is Chamber 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 Park.